Beloved Church of God, beginning our service before the Lord, let us stand and allow us to again affirm the promise that lays at the door of our hope. Let the resurrection of Christ reign in our bodies. Amen. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we thank you for this once again privilege to be in this place that your hand has outlined for the worship of your holy name. And so allow your inheritance in the name of covenant of blood to be lifted to heights higher than us and to break all evil and burdens and sin that binds us. In the name of Jesus Christ, may upon this place be cursed as before all the works of devil, illnesses, poverty, premature death, all forms of fears, phobias, depression, destruction, covetousness, deceitfulness, all of this let it depart from the tents of your holy people and stand, Lord, on this place of your rest, you and your everlasting ark. And may your saints be clothed in your salvation and may they rejoice before your countenance. Give us more from your spirit. Fill us with your Holy Spirit and allow us to find your holy countenance. We thank you that this service is presented in your divine arms and we ask you to continue to lead it with your uplifted and mighty hand. Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. You may be seated. The book of Matthew, chapter 5, verses 45 and 48. So that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven, for he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. You therefore must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. The name of the sermon, Pastor Arkady called, called to perfection. And he called this a promised commandment, not an offer, not an alternative, not Christ laughing at us. Try to be perfect as your Heavenly Father. I will try and figure out what you will be able to do. No, he said, be perfect as your Heavenly Father is perfect. As your Heavenly Father is perfect. Our Heavenly Father. And therefore, this promised commandment is written um, in the book of Matthew and is presented to us by a series of sermons of Pastor Arkady. And this commandment is addressed by Christ to his disciples. And therefore, those who do not accept the authority of the person sent by God have no relation whatsoever to the inheritance of this commandment. And we had stopped to study the purpose of the righteousness of God in the heart of a person expressed in the ability to clothe our essence into the holy or the selective love of God. Colossians chapter 3 verses 14 through 15. But above all these things put on love which is the bond of perfection and let the peace of God rule in your hearts to which also you are called in one body and be thankful. And according to this passage, the rule of the peace of God or the righteousness of God in our hearts is possible only under one condition, if His holy selective love will dwell in our hearts and we will be clothed in His holy selective love. The selective love of God is presented by the Holy Spirit in the Scripture in the light of seven unearthly virtues. Second Peter Chapter 1, verses 2 3. And these are virtues that we must demonstrate in our faith, or our faithfulness to God, cooperating our faith with the faith of God. This is virtue, knowledge, self control, patience, godliness, brotherly love, and love. 
we know that each of these seven virtues of the fruit of virtue contain the characteristics of all other virtues given that they flow from one another, fulfill one another, strengthen one another, and verify the authenticity of one another. These virtues are the moral perfection and standards that are inherent to the essence of God that are given to us through Christ, which we are called to be enriched with. And we can enter into the inheritance of these virtues only by accepting the Holy Spirit as the Lord and ruler of our life and the obedience of our faith to the faith of God. Through the inheritance of these great and precious promises, we are made partakers of God's essence. So we begin to have His characteristics. And very quickly, let's take a look what each characteristic tells us that which we have learned, that which we have read, that which we have uh, engraved in our tablets, which we have renewed our mind with. And now this word, through our meek lips, begins to transform us into this truth. So we are clothed in what? We are clothed into the new man, into the new man created in righteousness and holiness of truth, of truth. A new man is created through information of truth, information of truth. We can be clothed in the new man, created in righteousness and holiness of truth by the information of truth. And therefore, what kind of truth do we hear? So virtue, in virtue, we define the source, the source of good and the source of evil. We define it when we walk to the, into the, at the, in the church of God, in the God's chosen remnant, someone says, I found Christ, I believe in Christ. Well, faith in Christ and the presence of Christ is defined by the ability of a person to find the narrow gates that are presented in the format of a good wife, of God's chosen remnant. Only the, by this we can verify the presence of goodness in our life. Why? Because when we find these narrow gates in the face of this church of God's chosen remnant, the wife of the bride of the Lamb, then we find this virtue, or God allows us to find this virtue in the church of God, through the church of God. Only then do we gain knowledge. So we here learn, we learn what is good and what is evil, or rather what God calls good and what He views as evil. After we see this, then we have this feeling of self-control. Now, all that God calls evil, we reject, and all that God calls as good, we select. The next quality, patience. Now, all that God has called good, we look at it and we wait for the fulfillment of it in our life. Godliness allows us to, on the contrary, stay away from all of that which God calls evil and continue to, to sanctify our dedication. All of these qualities lead us into the atmosphere of brotherly love, which is the passing from death to life and into the throne Yahweh, where there is the coronation of God's love that is the bond of all perfections. And therefore, the selective love of God expressed in seven dignities and characteristics has nothing in common with human love that is filled with ignorance, selfishness, and inconsistency. And inconsistency. And inconsistency. People leave their place in the church and God due to their inconsistency due to their inconsistency. And apart from the tolerant and selfish love of man, the unconditional selective love of God differs in that it carries the all-consuming zeal of God, His omnipotence, and His absolute wisdom that is impossible to use for selfish and ignorant reasons. 
It is the fruit of the selective love of God contained in the format of seven virtues that is called to destroy the power of death in our bodies and in its place reign the resurrection of Christ in our bodies and clothe our bodies in the resurrection of Christ in the face of our new man. And so, we needed to answer four questions first. What does Scripture say about the origin and essence of the fruit of virtue? We stopped to talk about brotherly love. This is the sixth quality. So, the characteristic of brotherly love that we must demonstrate in our faith. Second, what purpose in the demonstrating of brotherly love called to fulfill and demonstration of it in our faith? Third, what condition is necessary to fulfill to de demonstrate in our faith the fruit of virtue and the love of God agape? And fourth, by what signs should we test ourselves for the presence of the love of God agape, which flows out of brotherly love? Therefore, on Tuesday we stopped at the third question. What conditions are necessary to fulfill to demonstrate in our faith the fruit of virtue and the love of God, agape, which flows from brotherly love? What conditions? What is necessary to do? What is the price that, uh, so that we can demonstrate brotherly love in our lives? And the first one, the first price or the condition giving us the ability to demonstrate the love of God agape in our life in the atmosphere of brotherly love is the presence of the structure of the order of the kingdom of heaven in our hearts. So, what is the price? The presence of the order of God in our hearts. This is the price, and this is a very great price, and we are going to talk about this. If we think that, well, we think, talk about order so often, order, 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 and we're going to see right now why we need to talk about order continually, why we need to always speak of it. Ecclesiastes chapter 8 verses 5 through 7 He who keeps his command will experience nothing harmful And a wise man's heart discerns both time and judgment This is the order of God It knows the time and judgment Because for every matter there is a time and judgment The order of God Though the misery of man increases greatly For he does not know what will happen so Because he has no order of God So who can tell him when it will occur And so the order of the kingdom of heaven Can abide in our hearts and exert its beneficial effect on us exclusively within the boundaries of the kingdom of heaven which on earth is represented by the wife of the bride of the lamb in the dignity of a good wife where is the order of god discovered in the dignity of a good wife that is the wife of the bride of the lamb Proverbs 18:22 he who finds a wife finds a good thing he who finds this church this church that only has the true order of god Again, he has found a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. Furthermore, the price for the right to be under the cover of the reigning grace of God, which is the theocratic structure of the order of God in the face of a good wife, is a certain amount that we acquired from the sale of everything we had, including our personal life. And so the price for having these narrow gates, this virtuous wife, the wife of the bride of the Lamb, where we can receive the order of God, we will find out how can we need this order? Why do we need to enter into this order? Because all of the promises, that prod, a promise that lies at the door of our hope, it is in complete order and in the sequence of God. And no promise, no promise is possible to receive without dwelling in the order of God. And this order begins where? From this good wife. And pastor says that the price paid for the right to be in this church is what? It is a certain sale of everything we had, including our life. Everything we had. The amount that we acquired is a sale of everything we had. This is how Christ helps us in an answer to this question. This is written in Luke 14.33. So likewise, whoever of you does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. 
So he has offered us to find these narrow gates, to reject all that we have or to forsake that we have in order to be under the cover of the grace of God in the face of a good wife is to renounce our people, our father's house, and our carnal life. And so the order of God in the body of Christ is comprised in the system that is comprised the hierarchical subordination in which the younger obey the word of the elders and the elders serve with joy the youngers. And so here's a definition of the order of God, some definitions. What is the order of God? If you are asked, well, what is the order of God? Where does it dwell? Tell me. All right, the order of God is first the system of the structure of our spirit. The order of God is a system of the structure of our soul. It is a system of the structure of our body. It's a standard of decency and sensibility in the church. It's an organization that has its own regime and its own discipline. It's a pattern, correctness, and consistency. Statue, law, commandment, ordinances, and decrees. It's a strict certainty in location and placement, a certain sequence in development, the state of organization and assembly, the state of livability, a state of balance and proportion. It is the order in the organization organization of service to God, order in the organization of the sacrifice, order in the organization of consecration and dedication, order in the organization of worship to God, order in the strategy of conducting spiritual warfare, order in organizing the inheritance of the promises, order in the organization of death in Christ Jesus, order in the organization of life in Christ Jesus, order in the system of the universe, and order in the system of motion of cosmic bodies. All the planet, all the planets, everywhere, and all of this is the order of God. And this incomplete and multifunctional list of meanings is in a wonderful balance with each other, dissolved in each other, flows from each other, and confirms the truth of each other. On the one hand, the order of the totality of the organization of existing symptoms systems indicates the fact that all spheres of our life are called to flow in the order established by God. All of the spheres of our life are called to flow in the order of God that has been established by God. A beautiful phrase. Now, on the other hand, all the spheres of our life are closely interconnected and depend on each other. The system of our spirit, soul, and our body discovers itself in our essence in such, in such constants. So the constants are the fundamental laws and truths that are impossible to change. What is a constant? The sun shines on the moon, the moon shines on the earth. This is a constant. This is the law that is impossible to change. The land can't say, I want to shine on the on the moon, and the moon can't say, I want to shine on the sun. No, a constant is that which God has established. It is impossible to change this. And Pastor says that this constant finds itself in our substance, in our essence, in our spirit, in our soul, and in our body. And let's take a look at these three components. We're, again, today talking about the order of God, and we will uh, make sure we understand in our essence the order, so then we can see that when we have this order in all three of these spheres, not only are they supposed to contain order, but they also must be connected with one another in the order of God. And so we will take a look at our essence. So the substance of our spirit includes the sphere of our conscience, the sphere of our worship, and the sphere of our intuition, 
which differs from ordinary people in that it is our superior consciousness or dominates over our consciousness. Those who are religious or unbelievers, they say, my subconscious, my subconscious, somewhere my subconscious, that is under rule over my intellect. But for us, it's superior consciousness. This is the substance of the spirit intuition that is found over or superior to our consciousness, and it's found in a complete harmony. Our conscience that is concerned dead works, where we lay the law of God, our place of worship, and our intuition. All of this is found in us, and they are found to complete harmony with one another. And now, the substance of our soul, firstly, contains a sphere of our rational capabilities, which are made dependent on the mind of Christ in our spirit. Secondly, the sphere of our volitional capabilities, put by us in dependence on our thinking, renewed by the spirit of our mind. And third, thirdly, the sphere of our emotional capabilities, made dependent on our mind and on our will. Take a look here. We talked about the spirit and soul, and we took a look at what components they are divided into, that they are united with one another, and now... The soul is dependent on the spirit, our emotions depend on our will and our mind, our will depends on the enlightened mind, and our mind depends on the mind of Christ, or from the teaching that is written in our conscience that was first cleansed of all dead works. Therefore, the substance of our body includes the rod of our mouth. Again, that is right now our lips that we speak, as well as other members of the body given as the instruments of the soul and spirit. At the same time, any government or any department in our essence, in its three substances, has its own throne. Each department, the spirit, soul, and body, has its own throne and is governed from the position of its throne, which interact in harmony with each other. Each department, the spirit, soul, and body, have their throne, and each department in these in this essence are harmonious and must be well balanced with to one another. Well, of course, we must reach to, to this point where in all three departments, where there's one David in one department, second department is Saul, and third department is the Amorite king, and all desire death to one another. Well, what kind of harmony will exist here? There won't be any kind of harmony. The throne of power. Let's take a look at these three thrones that we must have. The throne of power from the position of which the substance of our spirit is, is our conscience that is cleansed of dead works. The throne of power from the position of which the substance of our soul is governed is our renewed mind that is made dependent on the mind of Christ, which determines the rational capabilities of our new man and the throne of power from the position of which the substance of our body is governed are our meek lips professing the faith of our heart yielded by the reigning teaching of Christ. Take a look. Three thrones, and they are in harmony with one another. Our lips is a department of our body, the throne that proclaims what? If, of course, we have meek lips, they proclaim the truth the truth that we are given through our renewed mind, our mind, a renewed mind is, of course, cooperating with our conscience, with our conscience, where we have the teaching of the Lord Jesus. While staying 
While staying in the heart of a person of the order of God, which determines the wise kindness of his heart, all these thrones are dissolved in one another. They must be dissolved in one another. They must depend on each other, and they must function as one throne or as one team. Just as the Heavenly Father, the Son of God, and the Holy Spirit function among themselves in the sense of the functions of thoughts, words, and actions. And pastor, not long ago, he said, practically, this is the expression of the word of God, the word in the format of the thought, the word in the format of the spoken word, and the word in the format of the action. So first was the word, beginning was the word. Here we see these words. Beginning was the word. We say, okay, this is the son. No, this is the father. This is the curiosity in all of this. Here is written about the father. The word in the format of the thought, the word in the format of the word, and only then the word in the format of the action, because we are defined by our thoughts. For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. Therefore, the word in the format of the thought. That's why in the beginning was the word in the format of the thought. Who is the Father? Who is this? The Father. We must understand this. Just as the Heavenly Father, Son of God, and the Holy Spirit function among themselves, these are the same. This is the same harmony one must have within us. And the warrior of prayer, in the state of his heart, he must have the dignity of a king, priest, and prophet. We have now come to this state. Again, take a look. The state of a king, priest, and prophet. In the beginning, we defined the order of God in our spirit, soul, and body. When we understood what are its functions, we placed a throne in the spirit, soul, and body. And only then, once we have placed it, now we have function. What functions? Three functions. This is the function of a king, priest, and prophet. The dignity of a king is defined by the thinking that is renewed by the spirit of our mind. Thinking that is renewed by the spirit of our mind dwelling in our spirit, and that is capable of controlling our emotions. The dignity of a priest is defined by the status of an intercessor for the adoption of our earthly body with the redemption of Christ. So we intercede for ourselves. Before we intercede for other saints, for the church, for a pastor, for our children, for our parents, before people intercede for one another, the main thing that we must intercede for is the adoption of our earthly bodies by the, res by the resu resurrection of Christ. And the dignity of a prophet, this is defined by the legal right to draw near to God so that we can hear the voice of God, whereas God could receive the ability and basis to hear our voice. And so, let us make a conclusion. Upon the dwelling of the order of God in the heart of a person, he seizes all resistance with the order of the kingdom of heaven. And he begins to acknowledge and cognize and deeply work with all of these systems of the kingdom of heaven. If I have the order of God within my heart, this means that I cease to resist the system of the order of the kingdom of heaven. When an usher corrects us, this is the most undesirable, not the most, but this is one of the most. I have, I've gone a little too far here. This is one of the most neglected uh, services that is undesirable. They are those people who are often uh, provoked. When they want to to conduct order within the church and one says, oh, I want, I want that, I want this, I want that. Don't tell me what to do. How much patience people must have to continue to serve because what do they do? They conduct the order of God within the church. The ushers do. And without the order of God, 
no promise at the door of our hope can be. Okay, this was the first component, the component of the price. In order for us to be clothed in brotherly love, we need to be found in the order of God and to have this order of God within ourselves. The second condition that Pastor had talked for quite some time, this is the condition or the price required to show inner faith the format of God's love agape that comes from an atmosphere of brotherly love and it is comprised of the ability to behave toward one another in the boundaries of the covenant of salt, which in practice means to demonstrate holiness in brotherly love. And so, what is the price of brotherly love? It is the price to demonstrate holiness in brotherly love. Matthew chapter 5, verse 13. Again, we're talking about holiness. Holiness that dwells in the covenant of salt, not just in the covenant of blood. We will take a look that God wants to cooperate not just with a person who is in the covenant of blood, but also with a person who is found in the covenant of salt with him, who allows himself or to, to who reveals this holiness who demonstrates this holiness that he speaks of. Matthew 5.13, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. The covenant of salt, representing in the Eden of our heart the fruit of holiness, is grown in the process of our total dedication to God that is preceded by total sanctification. So our dedication or our sanctification allows the covenant of salt to be revealed. It is a presenting of our body as a living, holy, and acceptable sacrifice to God for reasonable service that clothes us in the dignity of the fruit of holiness that makes us the salt of the earth and defines the atmosphere of holiness in the soil of our good heart. So the salt for our body. We are the salt of the earth. We are the salt for our own land, for our body, and that promise that we have received without the covenant of salt will not be received by us. We will simply be destroyed in our hope. What does it mean to be destroyed in our hope? A purpose and waited, hoped, and what? He forgot that. It turns out that there is a, co- a covenant of salt. There is not just a covenant of blood, but also a covenant of salt. And that which is found in the covenant of blood allows us to identify and to see ourselves. with eyes that are not dimmed. Matthew 9, verses 49 through 50, For everyone will be seasoned with fire, and every sacrifice will be seasoned with salt. Salt, uh, uh, fire seasons, and also salt. For everyone will be seasoned with fire, and every sacrifice will be seasoned with salt. Either we place our old man into our prison, uh, salt, salt withholds him, and then fire seasons it and destroys him. Salt is good, but if salt loses flavor, how will you season? Have salt in yourselves and have peace with one another. From which we can conclude that prayer intercession, again, this intercession which we are referring to, not just interceding for our relatives and our friends, but for our own bodies. The prayer intercession without the element of holiness cannot carry the right to intercede the right to intercede. So without the covenant of salt, without the presence of salt, I cannot intercede for my body. And consequently, cannot have the legal status for the right to enter 
into the presence of the Lord. Holiness is a delightful melody designed to accompany a new song to God in order to turn His favor upon us. Revelation chapter 5, verses 8-10 through 10. Now when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb, each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayer of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, So what is holiness? Holiness is a melody that is led by beautiful words in our songs and our prayers. What unites with holiness? It is a melody. Can you sing without a melody? And they sing a new song. There are words present there, and there's a melody present there, this holiness. And they sing a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you are slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation, and have made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on the earth. The new song is the affirmation of its origin, in the new tablets of testimony in three functions, the covenant of blood, covenant of salt, and the covenant of rest, which state who God is for us in Christ Jesus, what God has done for us in Christ Jesus, who we are for God in Christ Jesus, and what we must do to inherit all that God has placed on our account in Christ Jesus. Therefore, singing a new song to God in prayer is a legal right with which we enter His presence in which we present to God as an argument that we are His holiness. Because only holy people can represent in the covenant of rest the functions, in the, so again, in the covenant of rest, the functions of covenant of salt that yields the interests of the holiness of the holy God in the fulfillment of a new song before him. So who fulfills a new song? He who has a covenant of peace that is founded on the blood of the cross of Christ, and he who has a covenant of salt that is founded on the cross of Christ. God writes our names in the book of life with his blood. And it can easily, just as easily erase it for him not to erase it. It is necessary to allow the cross to allow Christ to place our, to write our name on the stone. And when he writes our new name through the teaching of the cross in the covenant of salt on the stone, he says, your names will never be blotted out from the book that I have written with my blood, that which can be written with blood, but all that is engraved by the cross of the Lord Jesus on the cross, on the white stone, in baptisms, this cannot be blotted out of the book of life. Because only holy people can represent in the covenant of rest the functions of the covenant of salt that yields the interest of the holiness of the holy God in the fulfillment of a new song before him. And therefore, the word holy, this means born of God, born to God, coming from God, belonging to God, abiding in God, being the property of God, redeemed by God, set apart for God, dedicated to God, and like God. Okay, great. And then this last one, like God. Well, Emotions, again, are, are are put in their place. Therefore, the word salt and the function, the covenant of peace, or the covenant of salt, defines the inner state of a person born of God. While the word holiness is a manifestation of this state, which expresses itself in words and deeds of holiness, which serves as proof of our belonging to God and our origin in God and from God. We have repeatedly drawn attention to the fact that our prayer in the dignity of a new song, is called to incline heaven to us, 
from where the love of God is poured out in an atmosphere of brotherly love. So God inclines to this beautiful melody, this beautiful music, and these beautiful words. He is a musician, and he loves masterpieces, and this is prayer. Prayer is a masterpiece. When a holy person prays, all of heaven inclines their ear. Who is singing so beautifully this new song? And heavens incline their ear. He loves music. And music is the holiness of God in us. In scripture, the phrase incline heaven used in relation to God toward man means to to incline heaven means to incline your ear. Listen carefully. Make your eyes good. Become a refuge for this person. Become a cover for this person. Take up a perimeter defense around this person. Put enemies to flight and hit enemies of this holy person. This is what God does is when he inclines his ear. Not just I will hear, but not just that, but he begins to uh, put cast away all his enemies enemies run away he says i simply incline my ear to this beautiful singing of this person to the prayer that is done by a holy person and i'm simply astonished by this prayer and take a look at what it means to incline your ear in order to work with the strategy of god in the inclination of heaven or in pouring out his holy love into our hearts in an atmosphere of brotherly love it was necessary to present to god evidence of our origin accompanied by the manifestation of holiness so to, to provide evidence that I come from God, I am born of Him, and also manifest holiness in my life. Since holiness is a natural state and the manifestation of a new fruit born by a holy person or a person born of God, which is practically one and the same thing. Romans 6.22 But now, having been set free from sin and having become slaves of God, you have your fruit to holiness and the end everlasting life. From the existing definition, it follows that until a person is freed from sin by taking off the old man, he cannot become a slave of God in order to reveal the salt of holiness. To demonstrate or to reveal the salt of holiness. And so to demonstrate the grown fruit of holiness in the covenant of salt, it is first necessary to become holy. To become holy, to demonstrate holiness, we must become holy. And saints do not become holy. They are born from the incorruptible seed of the Word of God. I highlighted this. This must be uh, implemented in our hearts once and forever and in our thinking, that saints do not become holy. They are born. They are born from the incorruptible seed of the Word of God. Therefore, one can be holy or a saint only by descent, having been born of a holy God. And in order to grasp the essence and the difference between the definition holy and the definition holiness and the relationship with each other, which is evidence of communion with God, we will need to bring to mind four components, four questions. First, what is it? What does it represent? And how is the characteristic of God's love determined, proceeding from brotherly love and showing in one's faith the fruit of holiness. Second, what purpose is the holiness of God's love that comes from an atmosphere of brotherly love and the function of the covenant of salt called to fulfill? So again, we are surrounding the covenant of salt, not that holiness that we received in the in the blood of a covenant of blood. This is our origin we, from the 
uh, God. But here, Pastor concentrates the covenant of salt. He moves us a little bit further on so that we can discover ourselves, so that we can identify that holiness that we received as a gift of grace in which we were born, so that we can begin to demonstrate it. Why? So that because we are going to be incapable of singing God a new song without the presence of holiness that dwells not in the covenant of blood, but in the covenant of salt. Third, what price is necessary to pay in order to demonstrate the fruit of holiness and the knowledge of God's love that discovers itself in the atmosphere of brotherly love in the function of the covenant of salt? And fourth, by which signs should we test ourselves that we truly demonstrate the fruit of holiness in the functions of the covenant of salt in relations with one another? So everything surrounds this covenant of salt. We will, uh, in the covenant of blood, we become holy according to origin. In the covenant of salt, we begin to demonstrate this holiness. We will view the identification of the fruit of holiness in our heart, defining the love of God and brotherly love in the boundaries established by God in the commandments of Scripture. Romans 6.22 but now, having been set free from sin and having become slaves of God, you have your fruit to holiness in the end, everlasting life. It is a property of holiness contained in our heart in the function of the covenant of salt and found in our words and actions with each other in the fruit of holiness that is called to give God a foundation to pour out His love into our hearts and to be the legal framework in our relationship with each other and with God. So the holiness that discovers itself in our words and in our actions, in relations with each other, with God, this is the presence of the fruit of holiness. And let's today take a look at where this holiness is seen and found within us. That holiness, now we had received in the covenant of blood, His holiness. We, again, by origin, were born of the holy God. That's why we are holy. But here, Pastor says, well, let's take a look about the holiness that discovered itself in the covenant of salt now. And the covenant of salt in a spiritual person, What? how is it defined? In seven in seven components, the holiness of God that we can demonstrate, or that we can see in only the covenant of salt, and that will lead us to the covenant of rest. First one. The holiness of God, demonstrated in the function of the covenant of salt in an atmosphere of brotherly love, is defined by the ability of our renewed thinking to be in our spirit. So, to place our thinking under the rule of our uh, under the rule of the mind of Christ. Immediately, I was in the spirit. Again, this is quite an achievement, so that we can be in the spirit, not just. I have left my body, or I have endured some kind of trance. Uh, a lot of a lot of drug addicts they endure these trances. Ask charismatics how they endure trances when they jump up and down. They endure these trances. I ask a charismatic, do you know the difference between worship and praise? And he asks me actually, and I say what? And he says praise is when you jump up and down, and worship is when you go left to right. I said, wow, how? What an achievement! What an achievement! But this is what they said back then. Today, they listen to Pastor Arkady and they say, okay, okay, I can't say these foolish things. Can't put myself to shame saying these things. Today, people listen and they say, listen to our pastor and they realize that they can't say foolish things, either remain quiet or simply just run away. 
And therefore John says, Immediately I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne set in heaven, and one sat on the throne. And he who sat there was like a jasper and a sardius stone in appearance, and there was a rainbow around the throne, in appearance like an emerald. Around the throne were twenty-four thrones, and on the thrones I saw twenty-four elders, sitting, clothed in white robes, and they had crowns of gold on their heads. And from the throne proceeded lightnings, thunderings, and voices. Seven lamps of fire were burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. Before the throne there was a sea of glass like a crystal, and in the midst of the throne and around the throne were four living creatures full of eyes in front and in back. The first living creature was like a lion, the second living creature like a calf, the third living creature like a face of man, and the fourth living creature was like a flying eagle. The four living creatures, each having six wings, were full of eyes around and within, and they did not rest day or night, saying, Holy, Holy, Holy Lord God Almighty. Who says this? These are the four living creatures and the 24 elders. Okay. Saints who were able to demonstrate holiness, not just in the covenant of blood according to the origin, but also in the covenant of salt, when their words, their actions, and all other components demonstrate the holiness of God. What do they say, these four living creatures? Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to Him who sits on their own, or rather when those saints who discover their holiness in the covenant of salt, when they give honor and thanks to Him who lives forever and ever, then the 24 elders fall down before Him who sits on the throne and worship Him who lives forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne saying, You are worthy O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they exist and were created. So in Scripture, none of the natural properties and characteristics of God is exalted in the same way as His natural dignity of holiness is exalted, which reveals itself and pervades literally all names and all actions of God Almighty. So the word holy penetrates into all the names of God. For example, God Almighty. This is the Word of God, as Pastor beautifully said. God placed this Word, God Almighty, He placed His Word above all His names, and all in all His names is present the holiness of God. So God Almighty, God, the Word of God, He has placed above all name, and He has submitted Himself to His Word. But this holiness, very interesting characteristic that penetrates each name of God and brings it life. It penetrates practically all names of God. This holiness of God that we're talking about that is found where in the covenant of blood no in the covenant of salt from this vision presented in the format of an allegory the giving of glory honor and thanksgiving to God is presented in the proclamation of what God is in his natural essence and scripture says and they cried out to one another and said holy 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 is the Lord of hosts the earth is filled with his glory the holiness of a person in a relationship with the Holy God is determined by the identification of our origin from the holy seed of the word of truth relating us to the lineage of the Holy God making us able to be sanctified and create righteousness Revelation 22:11 He who is unjust let him be unjust still he who is filthy let him be filthy still he who is righteous let him be righteous still and he who is holy let him be holy still It goes from the covenant of blood into the covenant of salt the righteous does righteousness he was holy let him be holy still this was the first component the second one the holiness of god demonstrated in the function of the covenant of salt again we are discovering where this holiness of god is found what it looks like 
in the functions of the covenant of salt. We are trying to discover it. It's the same as in the covenant of blood. But in the covenant of blood, this holiness, it belongs to Christ. This was His earnings. He paid the price. Oh, we received a grace by the gift of, of, of God. We received it as a gift. But Christ, for, for Christ, it cost the death on the cross to lose all that He had. He began, became a servant for us so that we could receive as a gift in the redemption of Jesus Christ. For Him, this was a great price that was paid. And when we received it, He looks and He's waiting for something. He waits for mutual love and shows us his cross, points to his cross in the covenant of salt. Second, the holiness of God demonstrating the function of the covenant of salt in an atmosphere of brotherly love is defined in our heart in the protection of the sovereign rights and interests of God from the unlawful encroachment of the flesh on his holy love, agape. This is what holiness does in the covenant of salt. It keeps holiness from being encroached on by my flesh from unlawful encroachment. Let's take a look at who tries to encroach on the holiness of God and wants to distort it. Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 7. In the year that King Uzziah had died, oh, take a look. Turns out who, who tries to encroach? This is the king of Uzziah died. I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood seraphim. Each one had six wings. With two he covered his face. With two he covered his feet. And with two he flew. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is filled with his glory. And the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out. And the house was filled with smoke. So I said, Woe to woe is me, for I am undone, because I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. This is what he sees within himself. We're not talking about those that surround us, uh, those citizens of our country, but no, these are the what is within us. I live with unclean uh, in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a live coal, which he had taken with the tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away and your sin purged. Take a look, an interesting place of scripture. Let's, let's listen intently what this means. This vision with all its characters should be seen in the temple of the body of an individual person. And in this case, for us, is the prophet Isaiah as an example, which is the prototype of the temple of our body. And therefore, the holiness of God in the functions of the covenant of salt reveals itself in the vision of the prophet in the death of his intellect, representing the image of King Uzziah, whose name means the Lord is strength. Due to the rational abilities of the prophet, who was called to represent the strength of God, but which had not yet been overthrown or immersed in the death of the Lord Jesus, his mouth was found to be unclean. So take a look. He said, I'm a man with unclean lips. First, he saw this. We will see this only when this King Uzziah, King Uzziah, when he dies, we will see that we are those with unclean lips. Why? Because when when we realize what kind of King Isaiah did, we see what he did. He wanted to take the place of the spirit, our mind wanted to take the place of our spirit. And he wanted to do that which the spirit was doing. And when this King Isaiah died, Isaiah said, I am a prophet. I am a man of unclean lips. The King Isaiah, when he dies, we see that we are with unclean lips and God can then uh, help us clean these lips. Because our lips are made completely dependent on our thinking 
our, our King Isaiah, on our intellect that was not yet clothed or immersed in the death of the Lord Jesus. And therefore, they reflect the essence of our thoughts, this King Isaiah does. And therefore, what our thoughts will be, so will our lips be, as written, for as he thinks in his heart, so is he. King Isaiah, if King Isaiah is in you, you will be in the same. He says, I am a man with unclean lips, and all. so is all of our government. When did you realize this, Isaiah? When King Isaiah died, when my intellect was immersed in the death of the Lord Jesus. At one time, King Isaiah, this King Isaiah who's here in our, in our mind, instead of bowing before the threshold of the house of God and allowing the priests of the temple and the function of the Spirit, so the priests of the temple are the functions of our spirit to incense at the altar of the censer, despite the warning of the priests, our spirit, he resisted them, and taking the censer, filled it with a fragrant composition of incense and entered in the sanctuary. He dared to burn incense before the Lord, to pray before the Lord from the position of his intellect. And then the holiness of the Lord defined in itself in the functions of the covenant of salt. Again, these can only be the result of the covenant of salt. This harvest comes. Immediately found himself in leprosy and on the forehead of Isaiah, and he was excommunicated by the, by the priest from the temple of the Lord and from his house until his death and died a leper. This is a warning to all God-anointed kings who are called to rule over their bodies so that they do not deceive themselves with power over their bodies and humble their minds, making it dependent on their hearts. Otherwise, the holiness of the Lord in the functions of the covenant of salt will turn the attempted sacred action of their intellect into a leprosy of sin. However, when examining all the characters in the temple of our body, it was the death of King Isaiah in the subject of the rational capabilities of the prophet's soul that gave him the opportunity to find his mouth unclean and to recognize his disastrous state. So when he immersed his intellect, King Isaiah, in the death of the Lord Jesus, he saw the problem with his lips and this allowed God to heal his lips. Such humility of prophet Isaiah, again, gave God a basis to cleanse his mouth by the cleansing fire of the Holy Spirit through the truth contained in the blood of the cross of Christ. And therefore, under the image of the altar in the temple of our body, we should consider our motives, pursuing the will of God in the adoption of our body the re-atonement of Christ. Under the image of the fire that kindles the coal of the altar in the temple of our body, we should consider our sanctification, in which we, in the death of the Lord Jesus, are called to die to our people with unclean lips, to our Father's house with unclean lips, and to our carnal life with unclean lips. The meaning of the word seraphim, who touched his lips, in scripture means the function of holiness. So a fair means to glow, burn, and blaze. Cherubims represent the holiness of God. And cherubims and seraphims together represent the holiness of God that uh, burn, put, set, ablaze. Let's look at the seraphims within us, and they are there. They are very close. Under the image of one of the seraphim in the temple of our body who took a burning coal from the altar with tongs and touched our lips, one should consider the recognition of the authority of a person over himself who is endowed with the powers of the Father of God, whose words will burn with fire of the Holy Spirit and will burn our sacrifice and the offering of oneself on the altar of burnt offering. Under the image of tongs, which in the hands of the seraphim became a tool for taking a burning coal from the altar in the temple of our body, one should consider the rod of our lips 
professing the faith of God. Take a look, saints, and look how interesting this is. It turns out that in order to cleanse the lips of the prophet Isaiah, in order to cleanse our lips, it is necessary for the seraphim to take the tongs from the a coal from the altar and to place it to our lips. And the seraphims are the burning words of the preached word. But the tongs is our lips themselves. When we accept this truth and we begin to proclaim it, this truth, what happens? The fire burns all uncleanliness from our lips. And thus, the holiness of a person manifested by him in the functions of the covenant of salt is determined in the recognition of the delegated authority of God over ourselves. All the days of the vow of his separation, no razor shall come upon his head until the days are fulfilled for which he separated himself to the Lord. He shall be holy. Then he shall let the locks of the hair of his head grow. So he must represent the holiness of God. Therefore, this is a very beautiful second component that we in this holiness or this holiness that we discover in the covenant of salt as we had understood together. This holiness, what does it do? It protects the holiness of the Almighty God, Yahweh, from being encroached by our flesh and our intellect. How? We must immerse it into the death of the Lord Jesus. When we immerse in the death of the Lord Jesus, we realize that it turns out my lips are unclean. All right, it turns out we need a seraphim. We need the words of the fire of the teaching of Christ. Begin to take it with tongs and proclaim them. And then this which you call unclean lips will now become clean. This is the second component of holiness. Third, the holiness of God demonstrated in the function of the covenant of salt in the atmosphere, brotherly love, is defined in our heart as the exalting as the exalting of God and His holiness above all other gods. So in the covenant of salt, we must exalt God and His holiness above all gods. And in the covenant of blood, there is the holiness of Christ. There we have an idols, there we have infancy, but we need to leave out of infancy. And how is this defined to enter the covenant of salt? Enter a covenant of salt is to magnify or exalt God over all other deities. Exodus 15, 11, Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, glorious in holiness, fearful in praises, doing wonders? Our God is a subject of our highest priority. And everything that on the scale of priorities is put by us in first place becomes our worship and our God. And therefore, when on the scale of priorities, the love of listening to the preached word is replaced by the gifts of the Holy Spirit, anointing, and the blessings of the abyss lying below, these blessed things become our gods, and we turn against ourselves the holiness of God in His scorching zeal. So blessed things for us become our deities, and we turn the holiness of God uh, let it not be that we're in the covenant of salt, because otherwise we will turn it against us. Revelation 2, 3 through 5. And you have preserved and have patience and have labored for my name's sake and have not become weary. Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, and repent and do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Thus, the holiness of a person manifested in the functions of the covenant of salt and the atmosphere of brotherly love is determined by his priority in listening to the preached word. Psalms 81, 9 There shall be no foreign god among you, nor shall you worship any foreign god. Fourth, 
Again, we're talking about the holiness of God that must be present in brotherly love and that discovers itself in a covenant of salt. And therefore, the holiness of God shown in the function of the covenant of salt is defined in our heart according to the presence of an unchanging nature of holy laws of God, His commandments, and His statutes. So, Without the presence of the holy laws, holy commandments, and his statutes, we can't even talk about the holiness that discovers itself where? In the covenant of salt. Therefore, uh, Romans 7.12, Therefore the law is holy and the commandment holy and just and good. The abiding in our heart of the holy law of God and his holy commandments is the result of the cooperation of our faith with the faith of God. Through the inclination of our heart's ear to listening to the word of God, which is the holy seed of His truth. It follows from this that the holiness of God manifested in the functions of the covenant of salt and the atmosphere of brotherly love is determined by the words of God's messengers presenting in their sermons the holy love of God and the holy commandments of God. In practice, the holiness of a person manifested in the functions of the covenant of salt and brotherly love that we are talking about is determined by the readiness to listen to the holy word and the holy laws and the holy commandments of God with the readiness of their immediate fulfillment. Luke 8.18 Here we look, this word is turned and directed to those that are in the covenant of salt. Therefore, take heed how you hear not just what you hear, of course we need to define what are we hearing, who are we listening to. And when we define that that source through which we receive the revelation is God's source, then the second thing interests me, very important in the covenant of salt, therefore take heed how you hear. Jesus said, observe how you hear, take heed how you hear. Whoever has an inclined ear to him, more will be given, and whoever does not have, even what he seems to have will be taken from him. Also, Ecclesiastes 5.1, Walk prudently when you go to the house of God and draw near to hear, rather than to give the sacrifice of fools, for they do not know what that they do evil. Again, these places of Scripture are referring to the holiness of God that we must discover in a covenant of salt or which we must demonstrate. Fifth, Again, again, I'll remind you, saints, that we are talking about the holiness, the holiness of Christ, but that holiness that must identify itself or discover itself in our life, in our relations with one another, in our relations with God. And it can identify or discover itself only in a covenant of salt. In a covenant of blood, this is the dignity of Christ. But Christ waits for us, and the covenant of salt will begin to demonstrate His quality. Fifth, the holiness of God, demonstrated in the function of the covenant of salt in an atmosphere of brotherly love, is determined in our heart in the exaltation of the justice of God, which reveals itself in the manifestation of righteousness. So the holiness of God must exalt God in His justice and in His righteousness. In the covenant of salt, Isaiah 5, 15-16 People shall be brought down, each man shall be humbled, and the eyes of the lofty shall be humbled, but the Lord of hosts shall be exalted in judgment, and God who is holy shall be hallowed in righteousness. From the available statement, the Lord of hosts will be exalted in judgment, and the Holy God reveals His holiness and righteousness when we, in relations with each other, will in humility exalt His judgments in order to reveal the holiness of God within the boundaries of His righteousness.
So this key word, this humility, we must have the presence of humility. The presence of humility is for what? For what? So that God can be magnified or exalted. Do we need humility? Well, he humble, right? So you can be a good Christian, so you can be orderly. No, friends, brothers and sisters, we need humility not so that we can appeal to others religiously. We need humility so that we can magnify God in His justice. Provided that our heart is cleansed of dead works by the holiness of truth and the holy law of God abides in it. In this way, the holiness of a person manifested in the functions of the covenant of salt and an atmosphere of brotherly love is determined in our heart in the manifestation of admiration and humility before the will of God. James 4.10 Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and He will lift you up. 1 Peter 5.6 says, Therefore humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that He may exalt you in due time. Take a look at how important this quality of humility is necessary. God says, I will, I will exalt you. You will be raptured if you are humble. Well, firstly, as we have read here and Pastor said, our humility allows God to be magnified in His justice and righteousness. And when God is magnified or exalted through our humility in our essence, in justice and righteousness, then He will be able to grant us authority. You say, God has authority. Yes, He does have authority in heaven and in church. But do I give Him authority in my essence so that from the from the throne i can command i can i need to have such a voice so that i can command the power of death to be cast out of my body i so i must speak this in the limits of my essence and i am humble and this humility allows him to be magnified in his justice and he says now that you have magnified and exalted me upon the throne of justice i now promise to, to take you up. Whom will God take up? Those who exalted Him in justice and righteousness in their essence. How do we do this? We do this through humility. Again, we're talking about the holiness which we must demonstrate in brotherly love and this holiness that discovers itself or that manifests itself not in the covenant of blood but in the covenant of salt. That which we can identify in our life to see it. Sixth, the holiness of God demonstrated in the function of the covenant of salt and an atmosphere of brotherly love is defined in our heart in the guiding light that separates the light from darkness. We're going to talk about the positive light and positive darkness, but there must be a division there. Even between positive light and positive darkness, there must be division. We're not talking about evil. We're not talking about evil and good, devil and Satan. Well, now we've understood that, right? So God, all right, that's great. Now it turns out I have darkness and I have light. This also must continue to, we must also continue to separate the light from darkness. The darkness in which God dwells and the light in which God dwells. Between them, there must be, there must be a, a mutual tie. But for this, we must define them and to define them, this darkness where God favors to dwell and this light in which He favors to dwell. Genesis 1, 1 through 5, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness He called night. So first, God produces light. In the first quality of virtue, we talk about, Lord, you, you are the source of all good, virtue. He says, all right, good. Now, may God uh, separate, divide light from the darkness. And God saw 
that light is good, and he divided the light from the darkness. And he called the light day, and the darkness he called night. From the existing statement, it follows that the holiness of God manifested in the functions of the covenant of salt and in atmosphere brotherly love is determined in our heart in the separation of divine light from his divine darkness. Such separation is intended to build in the heart of a person the order of revelations of divine light with divine darkness in which God delights to dwell. The atmosphere and order of the divine night is represented by our innermost man who, working together with the night of God, receives revelation in his spirit. The atmosphere and order of divine light is represented by our soul and the substance of our mind, which voluntarily places itself in dependence on the mind of the innermost person, and therefore... The holiness of a person manifested in the functions of the covenant of salt in an atmosphere of brotherly love in this component is determined in the correct relationship between the rational capabilities of our wise heart, which determines the divine darkness, with our renewed thinking, which determines the divine light. And there's a few places of scripture that talk about the positive light and the positive darkness. Psalms 19, verses 1 through 2. To the chief musician of Psalm of David, the heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament shows his handiwork. Day unto day utters speech, and night unto night reveals knowledge. Day unto day utters speech, and night unto night reveals knowledge. Night to night reveals knowledge. Day to day reveals utters speech. Night opens knowledge tonight day opens today utter speech psalm 74 verses 16 through 17 the day is yours and the night also is yours this yours and yours is capitalized this is the name of our god yahweh your, the day is yours, and the night is also yours you have prepared the light and the sun you have set all the borders of the earth you have made summer and winter so this interesting harmony we are talking about the holiness that discovered itself in the covenant of salt. And the seventh component of the holiness of God demonstrated in the function of the covenant of salt and atmosphere, brotherly love, is defined in our heart in righteousness and holiness of truth. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 22 through 24. Place of Holy Scripture, we already know fully well that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts and be renewed by the spirit of your mind that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness created according to God in true righteousness and holiness created according to God in true righteousness and holiness my new man is created according to God in true righteousness and holiness according to that information that I hear to be called the new man who was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness I am created God according to God how important is this truth that I hear this correct truth this holy truth it clothes me into the new man without the presence of true righteousness and holiness I cannot be clothed into the new man Based on the sequence of these actions, the holiness of a person manifested in the functions of the covenant of salt and an atmosphere of brotherly love is determined in our heart in the manifestation of the purity of the truth that dwells in our heart. Deuteronomy chapter 23 verse 14, For the Lord your God walks in the midst of your camp to deliver you and give your enemies over to you. Therefore, your camp shall be holy that he may see no unclean thing among you, 
and turn away from you. So take a look at how important this, this these components is for God to not see any unclean thing among us. What is this referring to here? That which is not righteousness and holiness of truth. God demonstrates His righteousness and holiness in truth. And what is unique about a Christian is from all other re re religions. Although Christianity, as we know, it came from Judaism, from Islam, Islam also take, took its roots from there. And so what unites through faith in God? We need information, the truth that modulates a person. So this is referring to the fact that we are created and we must be clothed into the new man who is created according to God through the truth. It turns out that God not just gives birth to us through His word of truth, through the resurrection of Christ. He will say, I have been born through the resurrection of Christ. Oh, truly. Okay, great. Well, who said the resurrection of Christ in the church? Okay, great. Good. This is correct. This means that you were born through the truth of Christ in resurrection of Christ. Well, what does it mean? That I, through the word, were, was born? This is the seed. This word told me of resurrection. I accepted this resurrection into my life, and my, my spirit is now born. Now I must save my soul and my body so that the soul can become immortal and the body can become imperishable. For this, we need the truth. Scripture says, love this pure milk of the Word. Love this pure milk of the Word of God. Why? Because the Word of God gives birth to us, and the Word of God will then clothe or bring our new man into perfection. And through the truth, it will begin to clothe us into the new man. That's why how important it is to have that Word that we hear, not what we hear. We already talked about the source, right? That that source that we hear from is of divine origin. Now, the most important thing I conclude for myself is not what I do, but a pastor will say, when I come to church, I say, how am I going to listen and hear that word that your source will speak? And through this, we could receive blessing. And of course, I could have continued further, but we are going to talk about uh, the purpose further on. Therefore, maybe you be blessed in your prayers. I thank you for your attention, and we will pray together. Amen. Dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we thank you. We thank you for the great privilege to stand before your holy countenance on this holy place. In the name of the covenant of blood and on the foundation of the covenant of blood, we thank you, Lord, that today that we can stand in the covenant of blood and to thank you and magnify your name. That for that which Christ has done for us. We thank you for that justification and for that righteousness that we receive in a covenant of blood. We thank you for that virtue, for the virtue of your Son, who had endured shame on the cross so that we, so that we could give to him our shame, our fates, to give to him our curses on the cross so that he can pass along his faith to pass along the inheritance that the Father has placed in Him. 
We thank you, Heavenly Father, for your Son, Jesus Christ, who is revealed to us through your Word and in the power of your Holy Spirit, who took from Christ and who tells us who you are for us and what you have done for us in your Son, Jesus Christ, and what we must do on our end to inherit all of that which you have placed in your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you for this wonderful covenant of blood. We worship and bow down on the foundation of this covenant, and we bow down and fall before you. We take off our crowns and we look at the root of what Christ has done for us. We are not based on our own victories. We are not based on our own achievements. We are not based on our own of uh, what we have earned. We demonstrate meekness and humility before your holy countenance, and we place all of our rewards and achievements before your holy feet. And we thank you for the blood of your Son, Jesus Christ. We thank you that our names are engraved by the blood in the book of life. And we thank you that today, we ask you that all of that which is written with the blood of your Son, Jesus Christ, that you today, through the cross of Christ and the covenant of salt, demonstrating the holiness of God and the holy children of God, can write these names, our names, on white stone in Jesus Christ and the death of the Lord Jesus and the covenant of salt that can bring us to the covenant of rest in which you are comforted and saints are comforted in you. We thank you for those powers of holiness that you have revealed to us in the covenant of blood. Because no one has seen you except for your Son and the Holy Spirit whom you have given us and whom you have given for us. We thank you that you have not left us orphans. You have given us the Holy Spirit. You have given us the Holy Spirit who today dwells with us, who dwells within us as the Lord and ruler of our life and who leads us to meeting our heavenly groom. We thank you for the powers of holiness that are found in God and that today these powers of holiness can be discovered in our life in the covenant of salt. And therefore, Lord, we ask you so that you can affirm that that kingdom that we have received in Christ Jesus as you have affirmed and established the kingdom and throne of David in the covenant of salt. We ask you, Lord, so that today the covenant of salt help us, help us withhold all the attacks of the old man. We ask you today to be seasoned with salt and fire. We ask you for that holiness that allows us and that allows us today to withhold the attacks of our old man so that this same holiness through the powers of meek lips could produce this final final judgment in the through proclamation of the Holy God Yahweh on the throne together with our lips. We thank you that today you are able to receive in the bodies of saints powers through the presence of meek lips and proclaim the power of life in our bodies. You have allowed us to erect the, th the throne in our essence and you have placed your throne in our spirit. And we have prepared a place through the preached word, having cleansed our conscience from dead works and have implemented into it your laws and your commandments. For you feel comfortably in worship, in the worship of your saints. We thank you, Lord, for that throne that you affirm and have established today in our soul. We today thank you for the death of King Uzziah 
who wanted to appraise the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, and spiritual things. He has said that the Spiritual discerns all things, and He may not be judged. Therefore, allow us, Lord, our carnal mind, our to not appraise and to not try to allow our soul to do its work so that our soul can find complete harmony with our spirit. And therefore, Lord, we ask you that today King Isaiah could die the in the substance of our soul and said that on the throne could sit a king that would tremble before you and revere before you and wait revelation from you and at the door of the temple to worship before the temple and thank God for the great privilege at the door of the temple to wait for the revelation of God not trying to penetrate with our mind into the service of angels and service of the spirit through different kinds of cult-like meditations and other satanic things we thank you Lord that our soul feels comfortably in waiting for your revelation at the door of the temple of God. We thank you, Lord, that you speak your riddle and you answer your riddle in the temple of God. We place these showbreads on the golden table of showbreads on the Sabbath. And we, Lord, believe that when we come to the Sabbath, that you allow us as priests to take these breads and to eat of them, understanding them, and implementing them in our lives and being clothed in them. We thank you, Lord. We thank you that you today have allowed us to hear that our lips are able to be cleansed. Before we had heard this, at the time of death of that king who tried to encroach on the holiness of God and who wanted to encroach in the spirit of angels and in our spirit, let there be death to this king in our essence and therefore you allowed us to see our unclean lips you allowed us to see this great mercy to see that we have unclean lips and they can be cleansed and we ask you lord that today you continue to give us revelations of fire through your your representatives of glory who carry the powers of the fatherhood of God so that you give us these words of fire that could take tongs from the altar and to begin to proclaim with our lips in doing so cleansing our lips from every uncleanliness allow us Lord to proclaim that word not what that we want that, to proclaim, but that word that is found on the altar offered to us. Because this is that word that you have given us through the Holy Spirit, and this is that word that is going to create and that is going to do. Allow us to use, not allow us to not use our own methods, because we will remain in a great loss before your eternity. You have already cared for giving us the church. You have already cared for us giving us the Holy Spirit. You have already cared for us giving us the anointed men of God. You have already cared for us giving us the truth. And allow us, Lord, to accept this truth and to proclaim this truth. And in doing so, cleanse our conscience or cleanse our lips and make them meek, which will allow God at the time appointed by Him from His throne through our meek lips to proclaim the overthrow of the power of death and the erection of the power of life in our bodies. 
we thank you. We thank you that our spirit is saved. We ask you, Lord, and today we intercede. Intercede for your saints, for your church, for your anointed, anointed one. We intercede for our bodies, and we can do this only having been found in a covenant of salt. We intercede for our bodies and we ask you, Lord, for the power of life and resurrection to reign, to reign in our bodies. Therefore, Lord, allow us today to come to this revelation and allow us to break into the, to the Valley of Rephaim of our own intellect and to highlight that revelation of life that you have contained in the well of Bethlehem, filling your source with the revelations of God. Allow us to highlight these revelations and to bring them to our spirit and in the position of our spirit to pour them out onto our land, the glory of God, affirming the power of life for our bodies. We thank you, Lord. We thank you that each of us today have broken in, broken through the Valley of Rephaim out of our own intellect and understanding. We humble and we tremble before your word and your revelation, which allows you to be magnified in your justice, in our service, in our church, as well as our essence. Being humble before your word, we magnify you on your throne in your holiness and in your justice. Magnify us or exalt us in the time that comes. Just as we have exalted you in our life, exalt us as well. At your time. We thank you for your truth, for your word. We, Lord, with trembling, wait for your revelation. And we truly have known that you answer your anointed one and you fill him with your revelations. I thank you along with your saints in trembling and in fear in waiting in desire for you to fulfill our pastor, our apostle, brother Akadi, with your words of fire, your fiery revelations and to give us enough humility, humility so that we can take with tongs these fiery words and in the covenant of salt burn and put ablaze all of that which does not satisfy your holiness. We thank you for your order, your measure, and we ask you for that order that is present in your system, in your church, in heaven, so that this order can also be in our essence. May your divine order and your harmony come between our spirit, soul, and our body. And may, it f f may we be filled with the joy of your salvation, our whole essence, and every cell of our body. Lord, may you fill us not just with healing, but with the joy of your salvation and the joy and triumph of your grace. May the name of our Lord, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be blessed. Amen. O Father in heaven, 
hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the hand of the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And let us conclude with our unchanging manifestation. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen. <laughs>